Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. So this morning we're going to be in John chapter 18 and verse 1. But let me pray for you before we get started. Father, open eyes today. May we leave here seeing and knowing we wouldn't know, Lord, if we didn't come. And Father, for everyone that's live streaming, Lord, may there be just a special anointing. May your presence be so real and may they experience the risen king even at a distance from this place. And we give you all the honor for it. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Again, John chapter 18 and verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he had just prayed his final prayer for himself his final prayer in chapter 17 for his disciples. And then he prayed for all that would believe on him through his name, which includes you and I. But this next hour of prayer, he heads toward Gethsemane. And this next prayer would be very, very, very different. In fact, he goes to Gethsemane with the 12, but he leaves nine of them behind. And he goes with only three. And at first the Bible says Jesus knelt down. But it wasn't long before Jesus found himself on his face. And he was under such emotional distress that something doctors call hematohydrosis began to occur. The blood vessels immediately under his skin began to rupture. And again, the stress and the weight of the moment was so intense, he actually began to to bleed through his sweat glands. And we will fight through the worst moments of our lives in order to get to the best moments of our lives. And he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was this garden, again, the garden of Gethsemane. And we all know that humanity's first sin was actually committed where? In a garden. So it's only fitting. God is incredibly poetic. Adam and Eve in a garden used their free will to choose independence from God. And the first blood of our redemption occurred likewise in a garden where Jesus also struggled with his free will but he chose dependence on God. Life is about choices. And every choice you make makes you. And he entered with his disciples. And one of the hardest things you'll ever do is is try to lead while you're hurting. To sew someone else up when you're coming apart at the seams. But that's exactly what Jesus did here. And Judas, who would betray him, this was a friend. He was familiar with his ways. He had traveled with him for about three years or so. He was with him when he woke up and was there when he went to sleep. They ate breakfast together, had meals together, conversations together. Jesus' greatest teaching was heard by this man 
And because he was so familiar with his ways, he knew that Jesus was a man of prayer, and if he went anywhere to pray, it would be this place, Gethsemane. He also knew the place, for Jesus, what, often met there with his what? Disciples. Even before the pain of the cross, Jesus deals with the pain of betrayal. And as I often say to you is, the one thing about betrayal is that it can only come through a friend. See, an enemy can't betray you because you know what they're going to do. It's the one you hugged up in your bosom. It's the one you shared your secrets with. It's the one you spent all that time with, the, the one you invested so much in. It's when they turn on you. It's that's, that, that's when it hurts the most. Now, sometimes it's that person you take a bullet for, that you end up standing behind a barrel pointed at you, looking at. There's something I've learned over the years. Betrayal is a reflection of the betrayer's character and not yours. Jesus did no wrong to Judas, but because of Judas, Judas did Judas. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops, the Greek word there is, is a word used, it's, it's a literal, actually, military term, and it was used for a Roman cohort. Now, a cohort was 10th was of a legion. A legion was typically 6,000 soldiers. So this cohort had about 600 soldiers in its regiment. Jesus must have had a very, very powerful reputation for the government to send 600 soldiers to arrest only one man. Jesus must have been a bad boy. And on top of that, officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees. So not only were these 600 soldiers sent, but also the chief priests, religious police officers were there. And they all came, the Bible said, with with lanterns. These were torches that would burn for hours through the night. You see, they were prepared to scour the mountains uh, if it took all night to make sure they captured Jesus. And on top of the lanterns, they had what is termed here torches. Now, these were, were, were lamps that were used like flashlights, and they were quick burn, and, 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 and they were really military-grade uh, uh, flashlights here. And, and if there was someone hiding behind a tree or, or in a cave, you, sometimes you'd throw these chemicals, or, or perhaps you'd even use this little, little tiny light, and, and for a moment it would flash, and you could see what was in the dark. And then on top of all the lighting, all of these men had weapons. So 600 soldiers, an unnumbered amount of police officers came looking for Jesus, armed to the teeth and with military-grade lighting. Now here's the question. How many people does it take to arrest one preacher? Verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing, and this is amazing, knowing all things that would come upon him, 
This actually takes your breath away when you familiarize yourself with what happened to Jesus that Friday night. The Father had just given Jesus such a graphic preview of the horror, the insults, the torture, the abandonment, the shame, the disgrace that would come upon Jesus, that Jesus actually began to sweat droplets of blood. But what's amazing, despite of the horror, he still said yes. You see, if God did not show Jesus exactly what would happen to him, he would not have offered his life. It would have been a trick. But God said, Jesus, I want this to be an offering. I want you to know exactly what you're getting into. Jesus, knowing it all, the Bible says something incredible. It says he still went forward. We gave Jesus a very human worst. But still Jesus gave us his best. I want you to meditate on this for just a second. Knowing all things, he knew that they hang him over a, a granite stone chain. That granite stone is about two foot high. They bend him over. The cat of nine tails with rocks and, 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 and pieces of metal and, and steel and sometimes shells tied into them. And what would happen is that they beat him, but you got to understand they stripped him naked first. Every part of his body was bruised for our iniquity. It wasn't like the slaves, you know, in America where they just beat you in the back. Actually, there were two Roman soldiers on both sides. And they'd take that flag thing and, and, and they'd, they'd throw it. And it would wrap, all the, the, the strings would wrap around the body. And they did it from both sides. So some of them would hit the leg, hit the groin, hit the stomach, the neck, the face. Nothing was protected. You're like this. And the pain was in the pullback because the pieces of metal and the shark, they went into the skin. And when they pulled back, pieces of tissue and flesh would splatter. Knowing all the things that will come upon him. How many of y'all might have wanted to back up? He still stepped forward. And on top of that, he knew everyone wasn't going to accept his sacrifice. He knew he'd be mocked and ridiculed by, 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 by those he, he came to save. But he still came what? Forward. See, here's the problem with love. We can love whoever we want, but so can those we love. And God is free to love you, but you're free to choose whether or not you love him back. He went forward, fully cognizant, and said to them, looking at the soldiers and all their weapons, like, whom are you seeking? Because in his mind, he's thinking, it can't be me. Did I ever run from a conflict? Why y'all got all these searchlights? Like I'm trying to hide from somebody. Wasn't I daily in the marketplace? I mean, I mean, come on, come on. Why are you treating me this way? I never harmed anyone. I never injured anyone. I never threatened 
anyone all my life, but you come after me with swords and spears. But insecure and threatened people tend to overreact. And they answered him because he was quizzical. He's like, hey, what's this? What's this? He said, well, we're here for Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Judas had already identified him by betraying him with a what? Kiss. But you're learning something about Jesus right here. He wasn't going to let anyone other than himself take responsibility for his death. Jesus always owned his own stuff. And unless you take responsibility for your life, someone else rules your life. Jesus did not go to the cross because he couldn't control his men. He didn't go to the cross because finally, you know, the the chief priest got a leg up on him. No, 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 no. This was his choosing, and he wanted to own his moment. When they came to him, Jesus responds, and in the the, the Greek is ego amai. And ego amai in the Septuagint, which translated to Hebrew from Exodus, was the name that God called himself when he spoke to Moses from the bush. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? God said, listen, I really don't have words on earth to completely describe who I am. I just am that I am. So if you're looking at your Bible, I want you to notice that he said, I am, and the he is in italics. The italics means that the he was inserted by the translator at their discretion, meaning it wasn't originally there. So his response was, I am. And you got you to be here for this moment. Jesus looked 600 plus men. I don't know how many religious police there were. It could have been a thousand, but I don't know. Angry men in the face, knowing the penalty for the statement. And still declared, I am that I am. I am the great I am. If anyone was convinced of who they were, it was Jesus. People may not have liked him. People may have disagreed with him. But he was like, I am who I am, and your approval is just not needed. They're always trying to prove to other folk who we are. Jesus wasn't that way. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. I'd like to hate Judas more. The problem is I'd have to hate myself. Am I the only one who's ever shown affection for Jesus? But when push came to shove, chose the devil, chose yourself, chose old paradigms. See, we all fall. We, we, we all fail, but, but failing is, is not final unless we decide not to get back up. Judas, though, didn't have the humility to get up and try again. He killed himself. You see, suicide is the only mistake you won't live to regret. Now, when he said to him, I am, now notice... It's the next verse that he is inserted again. They immediately drew back 
and fell to the ground. When he said who he was, despite what the chief priest was accusing him of, when you can say who you are despite of what the devil is saying about you, your friends may be, I am the beloved of God. I, I, I have been chosen. I have been bought with a price. When he did it, immediately heaven applauded. And the power of the Holy Spirit just, just came down on that mountain so hard that 600-plus men, well-trained soldiers, lay, fell down on the mountain. Now, this, by the way, the, the language here is not a little light fall. They were knocked on their backs with swords in their hands, shaking under the power of God. And what I want to say to you today is no power could arrest Jesus. Unless he let them. Verse 7. Then he asked them again. My guess is this is after they got up off the ground. I'm not sure. But Jesus was like, let's do this again, guys. Yes, same question. Whom are you seeking? You see, people think that, you know, Automatically witnessing a, a miracle will change a person's heart and make them believe. But Jesus, sorry, Judas saw every miracle that Judas, Jesus ever performed. His heart wasn't changed. Why? Because we don't see things through our eyes. We see them through our hearts. So even the most beautiful thing can become twisted. A person has the wrong lens. And they said, they, they said it again. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, we call him Jesus in English, but that was not the name they used. Actually, in Aramaic, it's Yeshua. And Yeshua is actually translated in English, Joshua. And the name was a very common name. So one of the ways you designated people is by stating where they were, what, what were from. He wasn't just Joshua or Yeshua. He was the, the, the Yahshua from Nazareth. So here, now, now the, the, the term Nazareth that's used here was supposed to be, a, you know, an insult because Nazareth wasn't a celebrated place. How, how many of y'all not from the most best places on the earth? It's okay, good. So, you know, Jesus was like, well, uh, not just Jenny, but, but Jenny from the Bronx. <laughs> not just Eze, but Eze from Compton. Not just T.I., but T.I. from A.T.L. Or not just Derek, but Derek from Strong Island. I don't, I don't make the list. I don't, I don't make the list. Okay. Okay, I don't make the list. But Jesus answered, I told you that I am. Now, these guys this time are a little bit hesitant. They've just been knocked down by the power of God. So what Jesus does is amazing. He actually provokes them. He's like, I told you who I am. If you're feeling froggy, then leap. But watch this. He was the good shepherd. 
until the very end. He said, therefore, if you seek me, let these, my disciples, go their way. Now, he was the one that was about to be brutally tortured, yet he was more concerned for those he'd leave behind than even himself. Verse 9 said, this happened that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost what? None. Jesus is a a, a no man left behind savior. If you want to be kept by Jesus, he can keep you. Then Simon Peter, having a sword. Now the sword mentioned here was a sword used for stabbing and not for cutting. But what I want to say here is Peter was a fisherman. We all know that. And he filleted and cut fish all his life. And, of course, you know, they'd even throw, you know, they'd be done with the knife. They'd throw it and stick into a piece of wood. He was good with a knife. Every day of his life he used a knife to clean fish. But the Bible says he drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. How many people in this room get mad at somebody like, I'm going to cut off your ear? No, no. Peter was trying to stab the guy in the throat. But somehow this guy made an evasive move. And he got the ear instead. And the Bible goes on to name the servant, and you know the scriptures were written while these individuals were still alive, and you certainly would not name the servant of the high priest, lest it was true if you go write a story about what happened. And the servant's name was Malchus, and as we already read, he was a servant of the high priest, meaning he was the personal servant to the most religious, the most powerful religious man in all Jerusalem. In fact, some scholars go as far as, as saying that this, this man kind of acted as the press secretary. He, he was the guy that publicly spoke for the high priest, and that's why he was with the soldiers, because he was the, the, the personal representative of the priest. So whenever the high priest had a smear, had something ugly to say about Jesus, he probably said it through this man, because, you know, he's too high to mess in the mud with, with this rabble. So he would say it. Someone. He started rumors through this, this priest. So, so Peter probably wanted to cut this guy's head off for a long, long time. But here's the deal. It doesn't require strength to hold a grudge. It requires strength to let one go. Then Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his what? And these details are just too exact not to be true. But what I want you to see here is here we have the leading disciple, a man that is actually called an apostle, the guy that, that, that would become the leader of the entire Jesus movement, hurt somebody. See, I don't care how close you are to Jesus. I don't care if you apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher. People hurt people because that's what we do. Even the best of us are at best still human and in need of mercy to survive. A marriage cannot survive without mercy and kindness. 
And the moment you stop forgiving is the moment it's over. A lot of folks experiencing church hurt because someone in the church hurt them. Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit 